Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We are New Horizons Christian Fellowship from Starkville, Mississippi. We are about kingdom family, reaching up to the Father, reaching in to each other, and reaching out to the world. We hope you will be strengthened and encouraged by the message. Do y'all like this verse? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there quickly with me if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going we're to burn through three, three chapters here if what I suspect we're going to do is, is done. But look at verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This was my mom. My mom used to say this was her favorite verse. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That's the beginning of it. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Anybody needed some grace lately? <laughs> my grace is sufficient for you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's back up a little bit. Let's look in, uh, in chapter 10. Turn back to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. And um, Paul is making a case here. There are some folks that are challenging his apostolic authority. And they're using worldly means to do it. Have, y'all, have you ever been with a, a, a group of, uh, of, of, of leaders of churches and heard the one-up, I'm going to one-up you kind of conversation happen? <laughs> you know, when, when uh, we, we've, over the years we've gotten together with pastors here, even in this city, and I remember this old, older, wise pastor um, as, as he sat there and listened to different people sharing about what was happening in their fellowship, you know, somebody, uh, they, somebody said, hey, how's it going over there? You know, how's, how's it going at your church? And somebody said, well, man, we, we see, we're seeing one person saved every week. Uh, you know, some folks would just shut up right then about salvations, and they'd change the subject to choirs. You know, boy, our choir's really growing. Um, or we've got a new building. Or this is what we're doing in missions. Trying to validate by a pedigree or by some kind of list of accomplishments who we are. We do this on a, on a personal level, too. <laughs> and it just falls all over the place. So Paul is dealing with some, some folks that are they're comparing themselves. Let's look at verse 12 of chapter 10. For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. But in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. That's pretty cool. What, Hannah, Hannah wrote a song, and I just posted it the other day. What was it about comparison? What's it called? 
I said goodbye to comparison or a divorce comparison or something like that. I killed comparison. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, comparison. Look in chapter 11, verse 3. Here's, here's Paul. Paul begins to make his case. He says, But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunnings, your cunning, your minds may be seduced from a, a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Paul's saying, hey, let's get it back down to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Drop down to verse 5. He says, now I consider myself in no way inferior to the super apostles. <laughs> super apostles. He said, I'm not inferior to him. And then he makes his case. Let's look at, his, at the case he makes. In verse 16. He says, I repeat, no one should consider me a fool, but if you do, at least accept me as a fool, so I too may boast a little. What I say in this manner of boasting, I don't speak as the Lord would, but foolishly. Since many boast in an unspiritual way, I will also boast. For you, being so wise, gladly put up with fools. He's talking about the super apostle mentality, comparison. Look at us, check it out. Think about it. Jesus was born in a manger. Right? He came from a little town. What good thing could come out of Nazareth? Drop down to verse 22. Here comes his pedigree. You ready? This is what, what, what Paul says about himself. It's himself in comparison. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. He doesn't say, I've got this degree from this seminary. I've got these people that have taught me and these folks that I've sat with and this thing, these accomplishments. I have a church that's this big and a ministry that's reaching. Boy, the fact is he could have gone there, but he didn't. Look at what he says in, in saying that he is an apostle. Just look at this. Verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I better, I'm a better one. With far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times. Five times I received 39 lashes from the Jews. How's this pedigree going? Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, from my own people, from the Gentiles in the city, in the open country, on the sea, and dangers among false, false brothers. Labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold. And lacking clothing. His pedigree for being, for his authority as an apostle, was the suffering that he went through. So Paul says, I'm going to boast in this. What are we boasting in? Are we, do you ever get around folks and they've got better stories than you and you kind of go, well, I don't know, man. Things kind of, I'm, I'm having a hard time. 
This is the context of this grace that is sufficient for us. Y'all, I'm, I am here. This is where I am right now. I'm walking in this. We, we had, a, had a, a quick elders meeting before coming in here. And my question was, I, my, my statement was, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get up there today. Y'all are probably getting tired of hearing me say that. I just didn't know if I would have it in me. And I said, maybe it'll peel off during the worship. And sure enough, that started happening. But I still checked with Tim. I said, does your word fit better uh, with what's going on here today? I said, I'm ready. He said, you got it. Roll. So I am. And prayer warrior Debbie threw down. Man, she ripped some old demons off of me. On my phone, she sent me a voice memo that had a prayer that was fire. Okay? I'm glad that Paul doesn't list this list too often. He does say that we have troubles and we have trials and that there's a comfort from God. He says that at the beginning of this book. But he doesn't detail it, thankfully. Because the fact is, all of us in here are going through some challenges. Some in here are, are, are actually pretty hopeless right now. And you may feel like you've got a curse on you. But it may be that God is, is actually working to affirm your ministry status. Because your status is not built on how many people and all the things that you do. We talked a few weeks ago about Jesus saying, are you able to, to drink from this cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? I went, yeah. He said, well, actually, you will. It's a death. And it's sacrifice. So, Drop on down now to chapter 12, where we find that one verse. Verse 1. He says, boasting is necessary, is not only profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Okay, now he may have our attention. Visions and revelation of the Lord. do 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 When's the last time you had a vision or revelation? He, he is implying here that there were several. I think we can find at least six. But this time he's talking about one. If you had a vision or a revelation from the Lord, and I mean it was like you were there, would you be able to contain that? Look what, look what he says. Verse 2. I know a man in Christ who was caught up in the third heaven. Now he goes to the third person. He talks about, he knows a man who was caught up into the third heaven. That's, that's a Jewish uh, traditional understanding. There's the atmosphere over the earth, and that's first heaven. There's the universe, that's the second he- heaven. And the third heaven is where 
where God's abode is. We've been talking about abiding. That where, that's where God abides. But just because that's way out there doesn't mean it's not here with us too. Because it says that the earth is his footstool. So at least his feet are here. Right? So he says, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. What? This is about 24 years into his life. 14 years ago, he was between Tarsus and Jerusalem. There'd been a bit of a revival in Antioch. And, and, and he was kind of caught there in the middle of, uh, of all of this. And he had a vision. Y'all, he describes it too. He de- it's pretty crazy. Look at this. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. He says this twice. Let's keep on going. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise. So he uses heaven and he uses the word paradise. And he, he heard inexpressible words which a man is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself. He is talking in the third person about himself. And the reason he's doing it is because he knows the temptation of pride. The temptation of of uh, self-exalting. And so he chooses the third person. I knew this missionary in uh, in China. Their family was in China. It's from from the stream that that you have uh, flowed from. Uh, Tim, they, they wrote a book about this family's uh, living in, in, in Yunnan province in Tibet, and they, uh, they ended up having to go out back in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and they went to Burma, to uh, India, and some settled in Thailand. And, and, uh, and someone said, yeah, this was Robert that wrote this book, Robert Morse. And, um, and I said, well, they, his name's not on the book. You know whose name was on the book? Eugene Morse. But Robert wrote it. And when I asked the question of why Eugene's name was uh, on the book, not Robert Morse's, it was because Eugene was the oldest brother. And Robert didn't want to take away his position. And so he actually put his name on that book. You know, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the word abide. We talked about the threshing floor from uh, Christmas days when Cole Andrews was here. We talked about when that ark came to the threshing floor, the oxen stumbled. And, and, and we camped there for a little while. I, I, we came back and really dug into this because... I began to see that that threshing floor where the oxen stumbled was actually a a, a place of correction, a place of judgment because 
they didn't need to get the ark into Jerusalem before they changed from letting it ride on the ox cart. They needed to get it straight before they ever got there. And one guy died because he was careless with it. The ark had been in his home and he reached out to touch and steady it. Good intentions, but when he did, he died. David got mad. He left the ark there and said, well, if that's the way you're going to be, forget that. But it, 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 he ends up getting it because Obed-Edom's house was blessed because they had the ark there. But David got... See, the, David stumbled before the ox stumbled. He let them put it on a cart. Listen, the closer you get, the closer we get to what God is doing. And I believe he's bringing the new Jerusalem to us already. There's a shift that's, that's happened and that is happening. But the closer we get to it, there are going to be some things exposed in our lives that may be painful. But we need to be able to say, I want to drink of that cup and I want to be baptized with that fire. Because, y'all, God is raising up a whole new ministry force. And it's not going to be the guys that have the pedigrees that are doing it. Let's back up just a little bit and think with me just a a minute. Paul says in the third person, I know a guy. But do you realize that that vision happened 14 years earlier? And you get the feeling that he's not talked about it before. And when he does talk about it, he, he says, when I was caught up into that third heaven... I heard things that I couldn't even, under, couldn't even uh, things that couldn't be muttered, couldn't be uh, spoken. It was a different language, but somehow he understood some of it. And he talks about revelations and visions. Uh, 2020 vision. Y'all want 2020 vision? You know, he said, you can't, you can't say 2020 without saying vision, right? Just like saying 3030. 3030. Thank you, rifle. Right? You've got to say 2020 vision. Do you want 2020 vision this year? Do you want a revelation of Jesus? It, it might be for us to get that revelation of Jesus that we need to go to the Isle of Patmos. That's where John wrote the revelation of Jesus. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. It's a revelation of Jesus. And Patmos was a place where he was exiled. And it happened after tradition says that he was boiled and survived. And he was by himself, away from everybody else, and without distractions. At the end of his life, when nobody was there to encourage him, he fell down like a dead man before the Lord, and he got to go into the third heaven. It's interesting. We went through the book of Ezekiel in 2018, right? Ezekiel saw something of heaven. How did he describe it? A wheel within a wheel. And this animal that had four faces. And you get into Revelation, you start seeing that same kind of thing. There's something mysterious in whatever it is that they saw when they were pulled up to that third heaven. 
Y'all, I'm not putting anybody down when I say this, but I want to tell you, I really like the way that Paul approached this. If it would have been me, I'd have been going, hey, baby, I could maybe write a best-selling book on this one. And I might be more specific than what the mystery was that I'd seen. I'm not saying anything about anybody that has had heaven kinds of experiences and written books. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying to us is that there are things that sometimes God shows us that we're meant to treasure and keep in our heart. And not just go blurt it out. Because what we could be doing, see Paul recognized that even in stating that he'd had this vision, that he was putting himself in a place that was vulnerable. Because the attention would be drawn to him and he then might get in the way. So all of this is pointing to the, to this, the context of that, that one verse. Look, verse 6, verse 5. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. Man, he is really getting specialized with his terminology. Third person. And now he's saying, I'm going to boast, but not about myself. He is avoiding all signs of pride. Verse 6. For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, because I'll be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me. Or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Y'all, we were living in, in one country, and there was a place that we had, had, had been praying into. We'd sent short-term teams into other Westerners had not been able to go into this area. It was in a restricted country. And we actually had somebody that was targeting the people that lived in this area. And it was a family, a husband and wife, and they had five children. They, they went into this country to study their country's language so that they then would be able to study the unreached people's group's language that was out there in this location. They studied for years, got ready to go out there, came up with a business plan. They were up on top of this mountain. Their 13-year-old son had a vision of the city, and he said, let's do. They were going, God, how do we get in here? What do we do? They were the first Westerners going in. They were from America. And the, 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 the son said, let's do a putt-putt golf course there and make it a map of the city with the River running through it. They got so fired up. They saw that that was what they needed to do. They had the resources back home from a church that was supporting them, standing with them. And they began the process of opening a business in this city where no other Western businesses were. As they were preparing to move their family out there, I got a call that the husband had decided to leave his family and marry 
their translator. I thought, golly bum, this is horrible in so many ways. Y'all, that was a lot of walking through, working through with that family. It, it, did, it ended up happening. He married the translator. And their family came off the field. And I had to go and spend time with their home church and help walk them through that. But thank the Lord. We had this business started. And so we went back and, and we said, well, what are we going to do? Thank the Lord. Somebody from another country, from Brazil, a, a young single guy came up and he said, I can run that. And he'd been praying for the same people. He stepped right into the, the situation and was ready to rock and roll. And about a year later, I got a call. This man had fallen to temptation, had some sexual bad things happen. And the Brazilian leadership removed them from the field. Y'all, we had sent prayer teams in there so many times. I, I finally took Bob Yarber, whom I spent, spent five days with back in December up in Manassas, Virginia. Bob Yarber went with me to that city, and we prayed. And I said, he, he leads an intercessory prayer thing that's just, you know, he... Spends time with the Lord in his late 80s and just loves Jesus and spends time praying. And I said, Bob, what are you getting? And he said, whoever comes here needs to have a pure heart. And I went, what do you mean by that? He said, if they don't have a pure heart, they are going to be a target for the enemy. And in this intensive situation... They will not be able to stand. You can hide it in some places, but they will not be able to hide it here. I'm happy to tell you that we saw churches planted there. 400 and something believers came to know Jesus in the next year. I mean, things happened. God moved in powerful ways. Hallelujah for that. <coughs> but y'all, the day that Ananias and Sapphira fell... Truly slain in the Spirit, by the Spirit. <clears throat> when they fell, <clears throat> a fear came across the church. Listen, y'all. If God, I believe the shift has already happened. But I want to tell you, it has been tough for me. So tough that I wasn't sure I could stand up here today. And God, I believe, is taking us to the threshing floor because he's bringing correction into our lives because he's wanting to set us up to be effective and strategic in this day for such a time as this. You've been brought into the kingdom. Use me, Lord, use me. Really? I'm serious, Lord. You got me. Really? Look at all that I've done. I'm ready for this. Really? One of my brothers who remind me so much of Jesus 
and he'd been, he'd been through a horrible divorce and separation from kids. And part of the reason that his wife left him was because, actually said this, because of his Christian lifestyle. This was here in the States. And I'm, I just look at him. There, there was like three people that stood out in, in my life at that time that just reminded me of Jesus. I just think if, if, if Jesus was walking around here, I'm sure that, that he'd look a lot like that person. So I'm asking him one day. I, I, I went and actually prayed. I spent a week praying for him in his house at the time when his wife remarried. And I, we were sitting there talking. I said, brother... You just have this unique relationship, this close relationship with the Lord. How do you get that? What, how, how does that happen? And he looked at me and he said, Johnny, you know who Corey Ten Boom is? Do you know who Corey Ten Boom is? She, she was in the, in the prisoner camps in the World War II from Holland. The, the, the Hiding Place movie is about her life. And she went through hell in this prisoner camp, lost her father and her sister. And the story goes, oh, it's so much hardship. I said, yeah, I know who Corey Tim Boom is. And he said, well, one day I was praying and I said, God, would you allow me to have a relationship with you like Corey Tim Boom? And he said, it was almost like audible from the Lord are you willing to go through what she went through to get what she's got I'm not suggesting that we all become martyrs in here don't walk out of here and grab you a a, a, a chain and start whacking your back and say well I'm going to beat this flesh and I'm going to die to it and no it's not about that but there is something significant in John in John chapter 21, I believe it's Matthew 21, he, he, he says, Jesus says, talks about the stone that the builder rejected. And he says, and if you fall on that stone, you will be broken. But if you don't fall on that stone, then the, another stone will come and crush you to powder, one version says. We have an opportunity to kneel on that stone and say, Jesus, simply you. I'm all in. Yes, I want to be strategic for your kingdom. We're not talking about the glamorous things that hits the magazines and gets on television. Everybody goes, oh, what a wonderful thing is going on. It may be some persecution. It may be some hardship. It may be some struggles. And some of us right now that are struggling and they're going, my hope, I just, I feel hopeless. Some are saying, I feel like a failure. There's nothing gone right in my life. Everything that I thought was right is not. And, and I feel like a failure. Here's what Paul says. That there was a thorn in his flesh. And we get caught up about that. What's the thorn? Was it, is it his eyes? Some speculated that he had cataracts because he said in one letter, you see how I've written this my own, in my own handwriting because the letters are big. Some said maybe it was a speech impediment because he said he 
he was shaking and trembling when he, he, he spoke. Others say it was a, 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 a nagging wife. I don't think that was it. There is a case to be made that, that he married. But uh, y'all, we focus on the thorn. And he doesn't tell us what the thorn is because God doesn't want us to know. Because if he was specific about it, we'd go, well, that ain't me. But y'all, listen, it's a thorn in the flesh. He didn't know when he went into that vision whether he was in the body or out of it, it didn't matter. That's the point of that. Just that he had this vision and it was clear and it changed him. He didn't brag about it. He was careful with it. When God gives you a pearl, don't throw it before the swine. Don't just come in with the latest vision that God gave you. He waited 14 years to share this one. The thorn in the flesh. Here's what we need to hear. He calls it a messenger of Satan to harass him. I've talked about that before. But it's only been in the last few weeks that I really got some clarity in this. Thorn in the flesh we try to figure out. It's been a theological debate forever. A messenger of Satan. There is some, some God and some Satan in this thing. Because God uses this just like he did with Job. And like he did with some other situations in the Bible. But he specifically says a messenger of Satan to harass me. And, and he asked God three times to remove it. How do you like that prayer meeting? Three times he asked and it didn't. Didn't go. Did God hear? Yes, he hears. Sometimes we don't like his answer. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes it's no. But we can be assured that he cares. He hears. Paul tries three times and, and then he says, okay. His grace is sufficient for me. And then he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses so that his strength may be seen. He's not glorying in his pedigree or even what God has done in him. He's actually saying, in my weaknesses, I'm glorying in that because in my weaknesses, his strength is made whole. Are you feeling weak today? Do you need a little bit of extra grace? Are you struggling today? You having, are you having some challenges in some relationships today? I don't know, y'all. I wish that y'all get all this taken care of. Because every time I preach, I think God prepares me to be able to speak into this. So let's get this over with. Right? Can we let His grace be sufficient in us? So, I'm not going to list out what I'm going through because it involves other people and part of it's their story. 
But I can tell you, I've been through some of the deepest pain. Challenged. That I will say. And my flesh hurts. My soul struggles, gets frustrated. And I go, God, you're just burning this off, aren't you? You are allowing me to see my dependence and my expectation that this is going to be one of those woohoo stories that we can put out there to give praise to God, right motive. But what God is doing in the church today is he is bringing us down to simply Jesus. So, I came in here going, you know, sometimes when we sing a song, first verse, first line, whatever negative, heavy I feel just jumps off of me. There's something about praising the Lord and thanking Him that just makes it fall off. There's something about being around you. Whether it's sitting together in a restaurant or in a house or coming here together and just seeing your faces. The devil doesn't like it. He runs but God is taking us deeper in dependence on him so that his glory will be seen he, he, he's working on our hearts y'all You feel the brokenness. You feel the pain. You feel the struggles. Sometimes we just want to brush those aside and focus on, well, we got a good choir program. Can't talk about salvations because they got more than us. But are we willing to open up about our personal brokenness with God and saying, God, I'm glorying in my weakness. One last little thing and, and I'm done. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Look at, at uh, verse 9. With our, our verse that we start with. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I most, will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Now look at this. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults. Oh, God, are you serious? Even in insults? Catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I am, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not just our weaknesses. It's the insults, it's the catastrophes, it's the, the challenges that we're facing or that we fear that we will face. Glory in that so that his strength will be made perfect in our weakness. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes. If you would like to learn more about New Horizons Christian Fellowship, 
And if you enjoyed the music, then please visit the links in the description to learn more. Thank you for listening. And remember, the service begins now.